Good morning on this beautiful 10th day of December. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Perfect. Okay. Well, it's been a couple weeks since we've been on here and now we're back. Last week we had a really good corporate gathering at Bruvino. Our next gathering will be first Saturday of January. Not sure yet where we're going to be, but we'll get those details as soon as we can. Our good buddy Joe is going to lead the message for us that day. So that's going to be fun. He said he's bringing fire. Fire. <laughs> so today, Acts chapter 14. Uh, we didn't really mention a specific passage. We just basically kind of said the whole chapter. But when I was reading it, when Paul and Barnabas were mistaken for gods in Lystra, starting in verse 8. I was like, man, that is some juicy action. That was just too good to to not dissect. What do you all think? I think the biggest thing I got out of it was the fact that Paul and Barnabas, they stayed humble to their God. They <laughs> stayed humble to God because that's something where we easily, yeah, man. the human being, humans that we are, could easily say, while they take on this, I'm going to milk this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take all the gifts, and I'm going to take all the silver, the, the gold, the cattle, all the glory. Yeah, and then when you know when everybody goes to bed, get run out of town. But they kept they kept true to God. That's good. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I was just you know then the section where um, I'm kind of jumping up quite a bit here. But when they stoned Paul and dragged his body out of the city, left him for dead, you know he jumps up like, come on, let's get let's He's roll. Back. Let's roll. He went right back, didn't he? He went right back. Right back into it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, so I kind of thought about when I was reading it last night, just going, should I go to that point of saying resurrection? I mean, we don't know that, but, but it's like, he was left for dead. And somehow or another. Yeah, whether he was dead and God resurrected him or he was just knocked out cold, irregardless, the story is amazing. Uh, he was he like, just right, I'm all back. Yeah. Let's go. Come on. Yep. So they must have beat him, like, really bad. They stoned him. If they thought he was dead, then this man was in bad shape. Well, they were probably unconscious. Because uh, if he was dead, probably the Bible would have said it. I mean, the, the, the book would have said it, wouldn't it? Well, they left and left him for dead. They when the believers encircled Paul's body, he miraculously stood up. Mm -hmm. So there's yeah. that word miracle or miraculously. So yeah. I, he probably yelled conscience and angel woke him up or, or you know, God woke him up. And, and you know, think about, you know, just when you think of the, the act of stoning somebody, um, it's, it, it's, you, you think, is it, is people picking up a bunch of little rocks and, or are they picking up like some of them stones you got along your back wall there outside and you just go up to the person and just boom, right on top of them, you know, it's just a, Ugh. Awful. I was thought more that it would be like stones that you pick from the road or something and just, you know, the same thing they try to do with the... Uh, slowly, one by one, knock yeah. the person down instead mm -hmm. of just going... But, uh, yeah, there, there were the two things that I definitely, you know, the, especially the part where Paul said, you know what? Because, uh, because when you're looking at these different gods that they're talking about, Hermes and whoever... Um, I don't know. It's just a, it's just the fact that they, they could have easily, with the selfish nature of man, 
could easily milk that situation mm-hmm. for their own benefit. Oh, yeah. And then when they left, you thought you thought they didn't believe then. Oh Lord, they're gonna not believe now if you do that to them. Well, let's read it. Let's start at the top in verse eight. And let's read eight through twenty. Well, let's just read that whole section. Mistaken for gods in Lystra. <clears throat> in Lystra, a man was sitting who was without strength in his feet, had never walked, and had been lame from birth. He listened as Paul spoke. After looking directly at him and seeing that he had faith to believe, Paul said in a loud voice, Stand up on your feet. And he jumped up and began to walk around. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted, saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended, with the crowds, to offer sacrifice. Mom, you want to read the next section there? 14 through 18? The apostles Barnabas and Paul tore their robes when they heard this and rushed into the crowd, shouting, People, why are you doing these things? We're people also, just like you, and we are proclaiming good news to you that you turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own way, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them. Mm. Joe, finish us off. Uh, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and when they won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, thinking he was dead. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and went into the town. The next day, he left with Barnabas for Derby. Thank you. I'm picturing a big mob mentality going on. <laughs> you think? Seriously. <laughs> mob mentality. Yeah, so... Let's just start at the top, right? Verse 8, there's a couple things in there that kind of stood out to me. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 9. And then let's just kind of work our way down and just unpack this. Um, Verse 9, Paul, after looking directly at this crippled dude and seeing that he had faith to be healed. What do you think of that? Why why is it? That stood out to me as interesting. Paul, seeing he had faith to be healed. Why do you think... They use the word healed and not forgiven. Because I wrote a note here that a lot of a lot of Christians, a lot of Christianity just teach that all you need is just be forgiven. Because there's different types of healing need to be done. Right. Some people need emotional healing um, because of trouble, trouble in their past. Some just need physical healing because this guy sounds like he says he had never walked. He was born lame at birth. Mm-hmm. He needed physical healing. He had a belief. Mm-hmm. So he had a belief, a spiritual belief. Um, he was born lame. So there's diff- I think there's different types of healing that need to be done. Interesting. Go ahead, Angel. Because he was already healed. Because Paul knew that he, that he was a faithful servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's why you know he he was able to be healed because he already was healed here and here. Not physically. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing you say is that there's potential, like an object lesson there that, Paul, you know, if Scripture is a revelation of God's character and they're trying to advance the gospel message, then God could be working 
to bring about evidence or object lessons to show that through a, right, I'm going to use the word pistis, which is the Greek word for faith, right? It stands for faith, trust, and believe. Those are all the same Greek word. So you can put in there, Paul, after looking directly at him and seeing that he trusted he would be healed, or he believed he would be healed, or he had faith to be healed, those are all the same. That trust only comes after you have a right knowledge of who God is and you open your heart to trust in him. So, so what I'm hearing you say, Angel, is this crippled guy already went through that conversion process and then as an object lesson to show a greater reality of what God's trying to do, God healed him physically as well. I think the key word for me is, key lines, um, I, 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 I'd like the... It's slightly, slightly different. It says he listened carefully to Paul as he preached. All of a sudden, Paul discerned mm. that this man had faith in his heart to be healed. So something came to Paul, and Paul's like, because you know, it's it's, it's one of those issues, things where we, we don't know what this guy's story was before. We we don't from Paul and when right. encountered him. So we all know that. Sometimes talking to somebody, just to just that there's a certain light in their eyes that comes through. It's like, and because this person, I don't know his story. I don't think it goes any. I don't think it goes any more into this guy's story anywhere. But he he might have been you know dead to the wind, just sitting there. But he actually listened to something for a change. Mm-hmm. He something made him willing to listen, mm-hmm. and then. You know, so and and I like the way, you know, both of them says, but that that word discern has really become a good word. Yeah, it's a good word to to include when we're talking about things like this, because it's there's a difference between listening and discerning. I can hear you, but am I listening to you? Am I am I discerning what you're saying? It's just like a step of hearing is hearing, listening. Yeah, you're more intent in discerning. You're 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 deciding. You know what's what's happening, and. Um, you know, my I joke in the office with my coworkers like, you know, Joe, you, you talking to me? Or you talking at me? Are you mm. talking through me?" Mm. And we always joke with that, but it's kind of the same thing. It's he was talking to this man with crippled feet. He wasn't talking through him or talking at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously, and so we can we can kind of easily sort of connect the connect connect the dots here that Paul. Prior to the, you know, prior to Damascus Road, prior to Paul's conversion, you know, Paul still kept the Sabbath. He still ate a healthy diet. He was still a really good Seventh-day Adventist. Tithed. Am I wrong? I'm not wrong. Right? He lived a modest life. <laughs> I'm with her. <laughs> Everyone was laughing, right? Not laughing, but it's it's a it's an interesting twist. Think about it. Did 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 Paul change from Sabbath? Did he change his day of worship? No. Yeah. Did he change the way he tithed? No. Did he change his diet? No. Did he was he continued? Did he stop being a missionary? No. Everything he did prior to his conversion, he did after his conversion, except for his view of God. His view of God, his understanding. Exactly. And and his view of God, he changed from being a persecutor of people to 
expressing the truth in love and then leaving people free to make up their own mind. That's what he says in Romans. Let everyone be fully persuaded in their own mind. Okay? So, we could easily say that what were the people of Lystra, Lystra trying to do? They were trying to force sacrifices and offerings on Paul and Barnabas. Just like the Jews did in Jesus' time, trying to force him to become king. Okay? They were... So you could say that this guy here, who's hanging out in Lystra, obviously he's from a Greek culture, he's not a Jew, he's not an Israelite. However, a view of God that Paul is preaching, that is found in Jesus Christ, was so intriguing to this guy. It wasn't like the things that he's always heard about the gods, right? Plural or singular. He was hearing something completely new for the first time. This idea of a God that heals you, as Jesus does, versus a Roman Caesar dictator god that requires sacrifices like Zeus does of his culture. So, to your point, Joe, bro was like, I want that. I, I want that. That is something that I can get on board with. And so, yeah, the, because Paul was so sensitive to the Holy Spirit's movements, which we all can be, you might you made the point several weeks ago, Mom, that like, it's all available to us. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's our choice and our decision as we make choices to live in harmony with God that we become more sensitive to the, move, the Spirit's movements. And so, you know, here's Paul, incredibly sensitive to the Holy Spirit's movements, and he looks right at this dude and he says, Get up! Because he just knew it. Do you know, one thing that's striking me, though, about this man, as I'm sitting here thinking, is that, because I struggle, I struggle with this, is the, the, on a band, the, What's the word I want to say? Unbridled mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. that he had. This guy had complete, complete, complete faith yeah. that he could be healed. The the woman that had had the issue for twenty years. Yeah, the bleed. Yeah. That, that reached out to Jesus. That's her garment. He had she had complete unbridled faith that she would be healed. The guy that they let down through the roof in front of Jesus, he went through all that because he had faith without abandonment that he could be healed. And so I wonder, and and that's all through Scripture. I don't know how y'all are, but I want that. But there's always a tiny little current of questions weaves its way through the stream of my life. I believe, I'm a believer. I've seen God's miracles. I've experienced God's miracles. And yet, there's a little tiny stream of question or doubt that weaves its way that I struggle with. Mm-hmm. You know, these people let go with abandon. They're like, okay, we are all in. 100% all in. And because of that, miracles happened in their world. Because of that. One of my favorite stories is in Matthew 18. And in in the Bible, leprosy symbolizes sinfulness. Mm-hmm. It's symbolic of sinfulness. Um, and there's so many parallels to the two that it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to look into. But in Matthew 18, there's this, I, I believe it's Matthew 18 without looking it up. But um, there's this story of a leper... <clears throat> who comes to Jesus. Now, in the time of the culture, you, you, that was a, if you had leprosy, you were, you were out. Like you were 
you couldn't come in, you couldn't touch, you couldn't do nothing. And if and if you were clean, if you didn't have leprosy, then you didn't touch people with leprosy. You didn't even associate with it. You didn't even get downwind of them, you know? And so this amazing story is that just reveals the kind of God, who God is, is here's God. Jesus is fully God, hanging out. And here's a dude with leprosy, walks right up to him and says... Lord, will you heal me? And and Jesus said, yeah, of course. And it, the Bible said he reached out his hand and he touched him. And the leprosy was gone just like that. And I just think that I... And that's God's position for toward us is... God's not afraid of our brokenness or our woundedness or our sin. We are more afraid of it than he is of it, right? To, from from that concept, and so I think that's what separates people from you know lost versus saved is those who just like they just they just they want healing and they know that it's possible and they trust God to do it, yeah. versus those who trust in a system or the right beliefs or something like that, you know, the right sacrifice, mm -hmm. which which. We can move down a little bit further and bring it back to this. Verse 13. When they brought the bulls and the wreaths, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of town, brought bulls and wreaths to the gates because he intended with the crowds to offer sacrifice. So let that sink in for a little bit. Does that remind you of anything or what comes to mind with that? There is the, in this passage, we find the two sides of the great controversy, the two different law lenses, Baal worship, pagan worship, design law, creator worship, imposed law, design law. It's right here. This is a, an amazing story that kind of brings all that out. I think of the ancients when they had to bring bulls to the temple. It's like it's to me the true and the false are so closely aligned it's sometimes hard to separate the two mm -hmm. because back in Moses day they brought bulls to be sacrificed to cover their sins you know and here this the pagans are bringing bulls and wreaths to sacrifice to their god you know sometimes the two are very close Something just hit me thinking about sacrifice, and if I get off base, I apologize. Something just hit me on sacrifice. People sacrifice other things instead of themselves. Mm, I, like I never thought of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice Angel for what I did wrong. That's all people under the bus. That's it. Or, or, but you sacri sacrifice a cow for your wrongdoings. You sacrifice a lamb. What have you? You're there's something really selfish about that. <laughs> I've never thought that's of it that way. That's a good insight. I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. So think of think of what these folks' view of God was, right? So here's what they believed the gods, Paul and Barnabas, showed up and they gave them a blessing. Their immediate response to that was, "We must offer <coughs> sacrifices and gifts and offerings, so they will continue blessing us." Mm. Right? Accept what I've given you. Accept what God's given you. You don't. You don't need to pay him back, right? 
And so, so look at, and that's what we could go back to Second Kings, I believe, with Elijah. The four hundred prophets of Baal set up two altars on top of a mountain, and the prophets of Baal. And Elijah said, uh, "Go on." They danced all day. They danced all day. They even cut themselves and smeared their own blood on the altar to try to get a response out of Baal. And then Elijah, in classic. <laughs> Classicness started mocking him and making fun of him. Well, maybe he's sleeping, or maybe he's on vacation. Maybe you got to yell louder. Maybe you got to bleed more. Like he was like egging them on. And and then Elijah says, "If God is like Baal, then worship Baal. If God is like Yahweh, the Creator God, then worship the Creator God." And and Elijah said, "Okay, God, do your thing." Well, boom! And God like burned everything up and showed right up. And that is what we're seeing here. We're seeing the people of Lystra are, are revealing their worship of an imperial legalistic dictator god that requires offerings and sacrifices to either continue blessing them or turn away some form of anger, wrath, all that kind of stuff. And look at Paul's response. Paul's response. People, in verse 15... Why are you doing these things? We are people also just like you. We're proclaiming good news to you that you turn from your worthless things to a living God. So Philippians chapter 2, Jesus says, though being in the very nature God, did not think equality with God was something to be grasped, but humbled himself to the form of a servant, even to the point of death on the cross. Number one, that's what Paul and Barnabas are doing when he said, we're just like you. We're not gods. We're just people humbling themselves. Okay? We're proclaiming good news to you. What's the good news? Another word is the gospel. Gospel equals good news. That's what the gospel means. It's the good news about God's character. Paul's saying, we're people just like you, and we're here to give you the good news of the gospel that God is not like. He, he doesn't need this sacrifice stuff. He doesn't need these offerings. And then he says that you turn from these worthless things to a living God. There's a story in the Old Testament. I don't know where it is, and I should find it because it's so good. But one of the minor prophets is making fun of idolatry. He's mocking it. He's saying, so here's a guy who goes into the woods and he chops a tree down. And then he drags the tree back to his house. And half the tree he chops up into firewood to warm himself while he carves an image out of the other half. And then he bows down and worships this tree. And he says, here's my God. And the minor prophet is like making fun of this whole thing. He's saying, this is ridiculous. And I think that's what Paul's, Paul's basically saying, this worthless things to a living God. And then he quotes Psalms 146, Exodus 20, and then third angel's message, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them? A living God. And I wrote a whole bunch of different verses here because I thought we're really, really cool about this idea of creator worship where like Hosea 6, 6, God says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm -hmm. Right? So to your point earlier, Mom, in the Old Testament, they did a bunch of sacrificing, sure. But Hebrews makes it clear. The blood of bulls and goats does not have the power to, con to convert hearts. 
to forgive sins, to do anything. That is all an object lesson to teach a reality. Right? And then Psalm 51, David says, you don't delight in sacrifice or I bring it. David says, you don't take, take pleasure in burnt offerings. David said, if I knew that you delighted in sacrifice or if I, if I knew you liked burnt offerings, that I would bring all of that. But I know that means nothing to you, God. What you want, David says it clear, a broken spirit, a contrite heart, a humbleness, a humbleness to listen and to, and to trust, right? To your point, the, the unbridled trust in God to heal me. That's what David's acknowledging that that's what God wants. That's the good news about God, that that's what God wants. Right? Why sacrifice one bull? If you really want to get in God's favor, sacrifice two bulls. Turn oh, better, better yet, Joe. If you really want to get in God's favor, why not kill Why not kill his son? Uh, didn't Isaac, was it Isaac? He was stuck on a hill, about ready to chuck his son off the hill? We just get the right, the right kind of blood. Maybe that'll do the trick. That's paganism. That's pagan worship, right? I really have a very difficult time, and this is a whole other rabbit hole. Right. Go for it. <laughs> we'll bring you back. <laughs> it'll, take, it'll take weeks to get out of this hole. But did you just... I really have always had a really hard time understanding the whole, uh, the whole sacrifice thing mm -hmm. that God set up for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized that it was a, a lesson pointing towards Jesus. Mm -hmm. I realized that. Um, but it was like ah, a thousand years of that. You know, to live in a time where if you messed up, how, how do you go through a day without messing up? I can't. It, you know what I mean? Uh, every time you messed up, you had to bring something to the altar and cut its throat or something. You know, how awful. How awful. I just can't even imagine living in that era. So, to do that, it's just, I just have a hard time wrapping my brain around that whole thing. I'll do my best to give you an answer in like three minutes or less, right? <laughs> and so, so when you think of the Israelites coming out of slavery, they were, they were children. They were they were immersed in that whole paganism they were thing slaves. by that time. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So God set up a system. If if you, if we in this room were going to go to a place and teach a concept to a group of people who couldn't read or write, how would we teach the concept? Perhaps we would demonstrate it through our actions. Right. They could watch this, this process play out. That's what God did. He was trying to teach the difference between pagan systems of worship and the healing reality of what hap what sin does to bodies, us, our hearts and minds, and the process of healing and growth back to atone at one minute, atonement, coming in unity with God. Okay, he was trying to teach this. So the whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament was was exactly that. It was theater. Okay? So, when you... All reality is, is built on the law of love. The principle of other-centeredness, principles of giving. When you become selfish and you remove yourself, what happens? 
That's when death happens. If you stop giving of yourself and you immediately become selfish and self-motivated, that is sin. Sin equals selfishness. Sin pays its wage. The wage is death. When, so, so, so the beginning part of the sacrifice, what happens when you cut the circulation of, a per, of an animal? They die. Die. You're, you're cutting the circulation off. So every time a person would sin, God was trying to demonstrate to them that when you are selfish, you're removing yourself from life, and the result is death. So they slice the lamb. And the lamb bleeds out. Now they take the blood. The blood symbolizes life. And they apply it to the altar, the horns of the altars. All the altars in the Old Testament system are symbolic of us, of people. Okay, the, the bronze altar where they, uh, the and, I, and there's a whole lot more. I had to do a little more studying to get into it before I like really misspeak a whole lot. But the altars represent people. When the blood is applied to the altar, when Jesus' life is applied to us, there's a transformation that takes place. That's when healing takes place. And so as you go through from the initial killing of the lamb to the burnt offering into the bronze altar to the whole way into the holy place into the most holy place and then once a year the day of atonement they would walk into the most holy place and there's the ark of the covenant and they would sprinkle the blood on the curtain and all that that all symbolizes the process a journey from selfish motivated living in a way that will lead to death to a change and a conversion and moving back through the process closer to Jesus, closer to God. It's revealing that whole thing. Now here comes Satan. He, Satan shows up and he misinterprets the whole thing and he adds his pagan Baal worship twist to it all. And he says, no, no, the only way to get to God is if you sacrifice. That's the only way for it to happen. Yeah. If that were true, then you could ask, there's, there's lots of people in the Old Testament who weren't Israelites, who never sacrificed. The whole entire Israelite nation, for like 70 years, I think, when they were in Babylonian captivity, nobody was sacrificing during that time. But the Bible makes it clear that there were Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and many others who were saved. And nobody was sacrificing. Because it's never been about sacrificing to be saved or forgiveness of sins. It was teaching a grander purpose and a grander reality. Right? So that's... Now, probably a 10-minute description of that. But we, we it's can... It's a whole deep thing. It's a very, very, very deep thing. But, yeah. but correctly understood, it's the most beautiful thing you could ever look into. Yeah. But Satan showed up and, and twisted it to say that God requires it. And ultimately, then, because God requires sacrifice, the only way to, to really make it work is that God required the death of his son. So now he's got the death of his son, the blood of his son, right? And it's pagan. It's pagan worship. It's it's not right. To your point, Joe, the best sacrifice is God paid the sacrifice himself. Right? God didn't need his son to sacrifice to make him feel better. That's a ridiculous view of God. God said, I will sacrifice myself and show up as a human being. That's like us walking in our my front yard and seeing an anthill. And saying, I love those ants so much, I'm going to go be an ant. We can't even wrap our heads around that. But the knowledge that we have and our abilities, now imagine God with infinite. He says, I want to go be like that ant to show them the kind of person I am. 
That sacrifice. Yeah? Unfortunately, there was a whole, whole thing that's been alive for 12, 1400 years that still thrives on that with a billion people following it. That's right. Yes, that's right. You're referring to the Catholicism, Roman, Roman Church, pagan view. And most of Christianity follows that same thing. It's not just, it's not just Catholicism, it's most of Christianity, including the Adventist Church. Absolutely. Check out verse 17. So Paul, after they come to say, we're going to sacrifice to you because you're gods, the imperial view, the legal view, and, and, and Paul says, no, 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 I'm here to give you the good news about a creator God. Check out verse 17, 16 and 17. In past generations, God allowed all the nations to go their own way. What does love require when a person is dead set on doing something? Let him go. Let him go. So Paul says, in all past generations, God has let you go. And then verse 17, although he did not leave himself without a witness, since he did what is good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. What's Paul saying? He still... Look after you. He still blessed you. Jesus said in the Gospels... Matthew 5, 48, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Like, because that's who he is. Not, not, not because you're doing something to draw it out of him, right? So Paul is, is, is hitting this, this distorted you know, pagan view of God head on, and he's saying, no, that's, you know, and he's, he's offering them evidences, and it was, and it was just enough, right, and when he, he, they, the writer here, Luke, Luke wrote Acts, verse 18, even though they said these things, they barely stopped the crowds from sacrificing to them, even though Paul, like, hit it right on and said, whoa, 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 like, he barely yeah, you got a comment? Oh, yeah, you know what's weird on the story right there is that Paul dies, but, well, not Paul dies. Uh, Paul gets stoned, right? <laughs> but his own people are the ones that tell the non believers to stone him. You know what I'm saying? It's just like yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, repeat what you just said. Just like Christ. Jewish. Condemned him. He was uh, nailed to the cross. And then the same people now wanted to give him Paul. Yep. The same Jewish, the same Hedron or whatever, they actually wanted yep. to get rid of him because yep. he's he's threatening their oh, 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 yeah, way yeah. of life. I, I see what you mean. Their okay. power. You know? And again, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul goes through a list where he says i was born a hebrew the tribe of benjamin you know paul's a descendant of the tribe of benjamin the hebrews he goes i'm i was a hebrew born from the tribe of benjamin a pharisee among pharisees circumcised on the eighth day there there ain't no other person as good of an israelite or a jew as me there ain't no there ain't none better when it comes to like 
the requirements. In other words, in other words, when it comes to all the doctrines and the requirements of being a Seventh-day Adventist, there ain't none better than me. I follow all of it. I don't even swim on Sabbath. I wade religiously. Okay? It's a bad joke. Any Adventist listening will get it and they'll probably chuckle. But so were these Jews that showed up to stone them. So if it was about following the rules the right way, then what's the big deal? They would have loved it, right? But no, what is Paul doing? Teaching a different, saying that God's not like that. But unfortunately, these people, through yeah. life, have... No, 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 this is, this is what I was taught. This is what I was taught, and i got to stick mm -hmm. with what I was taught. So, so and, and here's where I struggle with people, you know, you know, the life of, you know, the uh, people seeing the light and trying to talk about the light of the way mm -hmm. is where I struggle is, do I, do I need to look bad at that person who is stoning Paul? Do I look at them as a bad person or they're just doing what they believe, what they've been told all their life is the right thing to do. And I have a hard time going, oh, that person was a jerk for doing it. Yeah. No, no they're, they're sticking with something, you know, and that's, that's where, yeah, that's a, that's a discussion for another day, but that's where I get sympathetic because I know if you would have told me to change somebody would have knocked on my door and said hey blah 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 and slammed the door on their face and I don't deny that I probably have been that person to clarify what I just previously said Joe before your comment after you know the Jews following these rituals and traditions and laws and Paul also following them a Jew among Jews the picture of God that they both kind of worshipped is the key to that whole thing. The Jews did these things because they believed it was required by God in order for God to bless them. Okay? Paul did these things out of a humble obedience because he understood this is in harmony with God. Right? Not, not out of, you know, one is designed to earn blessings or forgiveness. One's legal. One is heartfelt, humble obedience. I do this because this is how reality works. Does that make sense? I think Paul had the attitude that Jesus did, like when they when they mm -hmm. nearly killed him and drug him outside the city. Mm -hmm. uh, he had that forgiveness. God forgive them, for they know not what they do. There you go. And that's what Jesus did mm -hmm. on the cross give them they don't know what they're doing mm -hmm. Paul did the same thing that's why he got up and he went back into the city to keep trying forgive them they just don't know what they're doing because they're, he's that's because he's transformed because because he, he even used to do the same thing correct when he was Saul I mean he committed murder what he, was doing. he murdered uh, um, Stephen, Stephen. Stephen. Yep. you know and and, and yeah, I, I think I think to answer your question, Joe. Yeah, people that are brought up that way on their system that might not be right. I mean, yeah, I mean, if they open their eyes, they still can be saved. Yeah, or, or just like you know, it's looking in modern times, you got people who live by the laws of the streets versus the laws of man or whatever. They, if you want to survive on the streets, is what we got to do. And uh, uh, I was going to 
it's gone somewhere with this and I lost my train of thought at all. I think what I hear you saying is the Jews had laws and traditions based off of human systems of government imposed. This is the way we do things. Paul is saying a living God, a creator God has laws and principles set up that the way life is designed to operate. And he was making life to that. I think what happened to the Jewish system was that eventually God gave them some rules and regulations to follow. And then they, uh, you know, they probably build upon that, created their own laws, not specifically God's laws, but they created their own. Just that's why when Christ died on the cross, it says he nailed the laws on the cross. So those regulations are gone. Doesn't mean the Ten Commandments are still there. You know, it's just the a lot of the laws, Jewish laws that actually did not help you or did not help, you know, the, the believers. They actually was more of a burden. Mm-hmm. Try to keep all the rules and regulations on top of also God's laws. And that's the gospel message. The good news about God is that he's like Jesus, who doesn't require all of those things in order to be saved. He offers them to you for health and healing. But God is like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this conversation has really got deep. And uh, thank you for the insights and the connections and the, the further questions that we have. You're not afraid of them at all. You actually are the kind of God who Im- begs us, implores us to come to you with our questions, with our concerns, with our doubts, with our with our our views that are conflicting and challenging and there's so many different stories in the bible that that has taken place your friends and you you know your followers have come to you and said you can't do this why are you doing that challenging you on things that you do and you always respond with just conversation with explanation with meeting them where they're at where we're at and just walking us through a greater understanding that's the kind of God you are. That's that's what Jesus revealed you to be. And so when we have these conversations, Lord, may may all of us, you know, not be afraid of hard concepts and more questions and doubts and things that just like they don't make sense to us right now. May may we not be afraid of those things. Because ultimately, God, you're the one who teaches us and leads us into truth. Thank you so much for this opportunity to dig into your word. Bless us this week, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.